Welcome back, y'all. It's another mini-sode of NBA. I'm your host, Jay Kilas, a.k.a. Uh, Mai Tai Lawson, a.k.a. I came up with this last weekend. Jamal Hashburn. Uh, <laughs> directly to my right is one of the new co-hosts of NBA. Tadius, tell the people your name. Hey, what's going on, Tad? Uh, I've been on here a couple times. Uh, good to be back. Um, really excited to start doing this with you full-time. So, uh, happy to be here. Thank you, Tad. And today we have a special guest. We have a one Kelly Dwyer from the Second Arrangement talking conference finals. Kelly, welcome to NBA. Thanks for having me on, dude. I really, I'm looking forward to talking to both of you. Yeah, us too, man. Us too. So um, wanted to start the conversation off today talking uh, Celtics, Cavs, and the game one shellacking um, that, that occurred last night. Um, initial impressions from you. I'd, I'd love to hear your take on what went wrong for, uh, for Cleveland. Oh boy! I mean, I just think Boston went right for them. I mean, it was it was it seemed pretty well designed, didn't it? I'm I'm, I'm not too hardy on the Brad Stevens Faunathon thing, but that just seemed <laughs> like it was pretty well drawn up. Kind of a yeah, that's the shot exactly that we wanted them to take right there. And now here's what we're gonna do and run with it. And it's not even gonna count as a transition point because we're that weirdly clever with our you know weird. Boston offense that we dreamed up a month ago and everyone got broken. Um, I mean, yeah, the Cavs miss shots and LeBron stinks at three pointers apparently now. And, and, you know, that, that, you know, we all tried to come up with some stuff out of it this morning. It, 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 it needs to be, the game needs to be played again. And, and Cleveland got smacked and, and they never had a chance where they could yo-yo with the game like LeBron usually does. It was a 20 point game out of nowhere. And by that time, LeBron had taken like, you know, two hesitant shots. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty much all credit to Boston in a series that Cleveland hoped was going to take a week and a half. Yeah, and I think ultimately all credit goes to LeBron stopper Marcus Morris uh, <laughs> and other Boston Celtics. Um, yeah, it was interesting to watch the game because I, I think to your point, like, yes, uh, a lot of shots went up and uh, were unsuccessful. A lot of their shots were contested, and it seemed like overall, like, Boston was just doing a great job of, of just switching on screens um, and just really clogging up the lane and making it difficult for Cleveland to really get to the basket. Yeah, I mean, everyone on that team can guard LeBron now. It's 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 ridiculous. I mean, they can guard him credibly, and they can stay in front of him. They can not foul. It's just, you know, out of nowhere, we've we've the dream team to play LeBron, and all it all it took doing was getting, uh, you know, that pesky Gordon Hayward and especially Kyrie Irving out of the starting lineup. I mean, yeah. when <laughs> we were worried about LeBron for Boston a couple of months ago, it was all about like how they're going to isolate Kyrie, how they're going to go after Kyrie, and now that dude's gone in a you know, six foot three and a half, uh, you know, Scotty Pippen in a point guard's uniform and Rozier's out there. It's, it's just, it's all fabulous for this team. And I can't wait to see LeBron score 57 on it tomorrow. <laughs> so ultimately, I guess from your perspective, do you think that this is just a blip on the radar and Cleveland just course corrects uh, for game two and, and moving forward? I mean, for as long as it takes to course correct against a Celtic team, that's really, really, really good from stem to stern. I mean, the only thing they can, do in my eyes is just start to outlast this team and you know Boston really only played like eight players no I don't think anything's a blip in the conference finals to be honest sorry to jump on that word but I just it's a blip for as long as Boston takes to stagger its own self after what what Cleveland gives it I still think this series this series can and possibly will go the distance if Boston takes both at home it could be a bit more than a blip I think the the one thing that stands out to me and I have a tendency to talk to my TV when I'm watching sports. Like I like to just say things as they happen. And it, my girlfriend gets super annoyed by it, but all day yesterday, I was like, that's a bad shot. That's a bad shot. Every single Cleveland possession. I felt like 
I just repeatedly was just saying the same things over and over and over again. I don't think that like in in the entire first half, they had a a clean look. It was, I mean, Boston's defense was just unstoppable. I I felt like it it was, it was sort of like, you know, there was just no room. There was no breathing room for anybody in a Cavaliers uniform to actually get a clean look at the basket. And if you look, you know, at the, at the, box score, which Kelly, I know you're a big fan of looking, you know, beyond that. Um, but LeBron minus 32, Kevin Love minus 17. Um, I mean, it, it just, it really just kind of paints that, that picture, I think. It, I mean, that's expertly put. It's, it's a bummer that you got, you know, they kind of set you in your better half at odds, but yeah, that's, that's expertly put. And maybe they weren't bad shots. They just, by the time they left Cleveland's hands, they were because Boston was all up in their business. It was all, I mean, they, you know, they weren't the worst shots. They were just bad shots by the time everything was done with it. And even right. Cleveland, you know, on those early shots, you could tell there was just some sort of hesitancy that was there in that great distance beyond between like, you know, this is a good shot to take. And, oh, man, there's just no way. This is exactly what they want me to do. You know, Gosson out of out of nowhere turned everyone into, into Shane Battier chasing what's his name around. They got, they got up in space and, and they contested well. And, uh, you know, they, they eased them into the shots that they wanted to take. But, I mean, also Cleveland can win a game of 120 points at its side by hitting those shots. It's just maybe not against a team like Boston. So from your perspective, one of the players that's really hurting them on Boston, while, while Jason Tatum is clearly having a, a, a phenomenal uh, playoffs and, and is definitely looking like, you know, a superstar in the making, um, good old average Al Horford has been a real problem um, on those pick and pops and, you know, just kind of rolling to the basket and, and passing to, you know, men that are cutting to the basket. Who ultimately do you think on Cleveland's side really has to step up to um, kind of negate what Al Horford has done for, for Boston? Like LeBron, at, at, at somehow, that's what I hoped was, I mean, I'd hoped, I'm not going for Cleveland, but what I just assumed would kind of be taking away some of, uh, you know, Horford's, Horford's immediacy with that offensive game. But again, I, we just, I just underestimated how brilliant the guy is and just thought it was all going to be about jump hooks and, and fadeaways that LeBron was going to flap around. I forgot he's amazing at calling out three different plays at three different times in a 10-second span and having all those guys, whether they're bench fellas or people that have been with him all year, you know, just surrounding him in lockstep and knowing where to go. It's, it's, it's just he's LeBron out there, basically. So it would stand to reason that there would have to be, you know, if Kevin Love's not, if Kevin Love's too distracted, uh, you know, to be this sort of uh, go-to beast offensively to, you know, to try to mess with someone on the other end, then maybe LeBron has to get him thinking twice. But, I mean, I don't think getting Al Horford to think any more than he has to is is a good thing for either side. The guy's got the, you know, the biggest brain on the quarter. At the very least, he's tied with it with LeBron. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What have been your impressions of Jason Tatum overall throughout these playoffs? I, I just don't get how he's doing it. I just I cannot <laughs> believe it's May and he's still got springs in those legs. I, he just, I know there were little bits and drops during the regular season, but the stuff he was pulling off in game one, that just, the, you know, the things, that was, I don't know where he's getting it from. He just, he's just loving life. And somehow he's getting that separation needed in the, in the, in the weird, you know, sort of way, a wise beyond his years plays, but also in the, you know, let's, let's uh, make someone look foolish with a, you know, cross between and pull up a jumper sort of plays. He's just, uh, you know, it all may collapse in a second, but it's just been a treat, you know, so far. The guy is, is uh, I don't get where it's coming from. It just, here's hoping it sustains. Where does the, the, the 76ers and Celtics trade swapping basically picks, allowing the Celtics to take him 
uh, at three and the 76ers taking Markel Fulta at, at number one, where does that rank right now in all time, terrible NBA trades? Because I, I feel like the 76ers fans and, and their management have to be feeling terrible about that right now. Well, I mean, if, if we're going to get super cold about it, why the heck not? I mean, Philly can <laughs> kind of still sort of make out of that trade if they can, if they really are so awful that they consider someone like uh, Markel a, a movable asset at this point. I mean, if they, if that's at all a doable proposition for them, they should uh, uh, jump on that. I mean, they, they really should. They should let some, him become someone else's reclamation project and early and get some sort of one and a half something out of it. And uh, yeah, with, with Ainge and, and last year's deal, that's just, that's just like a throwback trade. That's just like some stuff that happened like, you know, you, why are the guys from Philadelphia and New York trading with each other? No one's supposed to do that. It's 1978. It's, it's well, why didn't they trade with each other for 40 years? Well, one team was always killing the other side. It's just, I guess, close teams aren't supposed to deal with each other. I think we flew too close to the sun with Ainge a couple of times last summer. And, and yeah, Cleveland got a pick out of it. But, uh, yeah, Philly, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Maybe you just only trade with Phoenix from now on if you're in Eastern time. <laughs> So going back to going back to Cleveland for a second, ultimately, in order for Cleveland to really turn this around, um, I, I mean, in the second round, even in the first round, like Kyle Korver was essentially like the only go to player that LeBron had. And then, you know, later in the, the Raptors series is when they really kind of got Kevin Love into uh, into a rhythm and, and started you know implementing Tristan back into the lineup. But who in your mind really has to step it up for, for LeBron to not carry the brunt of the weight, you know, moving throughout the rest of this conference finals and into the finals? I'd like to see George Hill get his shots in, but that's such an easy X factor. That guy was an X factor as an Indiana Pacer. Of course, he's going to be one with LeBron. It's different rules with LeBron. It's It's got to be LeBron. It really has to be LeBron, not flipping the switch, but just turning into a score. And, and you know, Kevin Love, he was great against Toronto, but he had to be in, in, in Indiana at times, but he had to be deliberate to do it. He had to be, he had to take his time to get there. And you can't take your time and be deliberate against Boston because you're going to look like a junior high kid that can't go to your other shoulder against that team. They just play too good a defense. I mean, I can't. there's not many low-post scorers that can do that in, in, a, in a playoff series against Boston, let alone love at his state. That guy's working through a lot. A lot, a lot of stuff I think is going to come out this summer about all the stuff that, that Kevin's going to ha- had to deal with, just legitimate physical stuff where he just should have sat his butt down. Um, that poor guy's working through a lot, but like he's hopeless in this series unless he just nails all his open shots. It's it's not going to be him. It's going to be LeBron. LeBron has to score a ton. It has to be buckets from LeBron. Yeah, I, I think that's a. I mean, I think that's kind of a, a no brainer. You know, that team goes as LeBron goes. Obviously, I mean, I, I think that's that goes without saying. But I think if you really want to win, I mean, look at what LeBron did against Toronto. Um, you know, Kevin Love played great, but LeBron was LeBron, you know, that entire series. So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, definitely a, a hammer meat nail kind of take there for sure. Um, I want to switch gears real quick and talk about tonight's game. Um, obviously, Warriors-Rockets, I think most people have kind of assumed that whoever wins this series, this is the NBA Finals. Yeah, this is what we've all been waiting for. <laughs> uh, and obviously, the Rockets, one and a half point favorite at home. I don't think they win or lose this game by less than 10 that's just my thoughts but really curious to know what what you think about this series and and game one tonight guy i 
everyone, I was surprised. I have the Warriors in five. I don't read a lot of other people's stuff when I'm working. And, and I guess there's a lot of people out there that think along those same lines. I guess we just are either dispassionate about the way the war, the Rockets play long enough to ignore what they've accumulated over the last 82 games plus two series, uh, or we're just that blown away by the Warriors' uh, ability to, to maybe reach for something we've never seen before in – and like all of basketball, them really. I mean, they're we're just waiting for a 75th win out of this team. Um, so maybe it's a combination of both that we really shouldn't project when it comes. You know, we let our dislike of the Rockets get into these sorts of things. But you know, the Rockets are pinpoint where the Warriors can can just close their eyes and go at it. And with you know, whether it's with the starting death lineup or not, you just get the feeling like you haven't seen the best of the Warriors, whereas with the Rockets, you know, when they were beating every time team by 49 points, you felt like, yeah, that's what the robot's supposed to spit out. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I, I also think, I mean, you know, the addition of Chris Paul obviously has been great. That was something that I was really high on um, at the beginning of the season and, and um, something that I think has really, you know, helped them out a lot. It's, it's alleviated some of the pressure on James Harden. That said, it's still hard to ignore the fact that, the Rockets wilted against the Warriors in the playoffs last season. Um, James Harden was nowhere to be found. He wasn't drawing fouls. He was getting really frustrated. Um, and so I, I think for me personally, at least seeing all of that uh, last season, I, I, I still have all of those mental images in my head. So I can't, you know, wrap my mind around the fact that, that they could potentially even, you know, win one game in this series, let alone four. Kelly, I'm curious. You're not wrong, though. Sorry, You're not wrong. Those guys haven't grown like three inches in 12 months, though. They still <laughs> got to be garbed with, with Kevin Durant jumping around. They still got to have Draymond Green hanging around. I mean, that's, it's not wrong to retain that sort of eye-to-muscle memory when considering guys that are like maybe six, three and a half. I'm sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. I was just curious <laughs> from your perspective. Do you think that uh, Steve Kerr ends up opening with the death lineup tonight or just kind of going, you know, like for like with his starting five, you know, with, with JaVale kind of going up against Clint, Clint Capella and then bringing Iggy later in the game? I just assumed he would. But, uh, you know, he's been such a cool sort of smart alecky sort of guy this year that he might go back to JaVale just to not, you know, just to once again, pretend like he hasn't revealed his hand or he could just be dry humor. Steve, that we know I haven't been checking the trades and the hours up to it, but I went ahead thinking that it was going to be the death lineup just because I think that gives him the best chance to win. You want to make this a, a 28 point game with uh, 16 minutes to go. You don't want to, you don't want the world to have to slowly be treated to the idea of Andre Iguodala as a difference maker. You want to make it immediate and sudden and make the, you know, those rockets have to come back possession by boring possession at a time, which unfortunately they're capable of. Yeah. Which I'm interested to see because like in, especially in the Utah series, there were points during the game where even with Rudy Gobert on the court, you know, Houston was going out there with a lineup of PJ Tucker, Trevor Ariza, James Harden, CP3, and Eric Gordon, and really, really playing down in size uh, and kind of picking up the pace. Um, and it, it's, I'm curious to see if if Steve Kerr kind of challenges them up front with that death lineup to kind of force them into that smaller lineup and, and almost kind of negate Clint Capella as a as a, a viable uh, you know asset for them going into the series. I think part of that was also maybe they them just uh, having some fun with the fact that Utah was totally going to overplay that three-point line in the ways that I don't know if Golden State, I mean, Golden State might, I hope they do. I really do think that even though statistically it may not bear fruit and coaches may freak out, I hope they have the legs to 
just bring out that, but um, I see, I don't, I'm not so certain that like Kevin Durant is a skinny small forward in when he has to like line up against Capella, whether it's, whether, whether, uh, you know, the McGee starts or not. I just, you know, players just sort of slink into positions. It's the same reason like Draymond looks like a pivot man. He also he looks out like, like Tom Borwinkle out there setting screens when he turns, <laughs> when they play him at the five, it's just, guys just sort of act that way sometimes. And, and uh, I don't know, maybe that's why Capella, you know, he was a badass with it, you know, in the past, but you know, now that he's just definitely the guy up there as a pivot man, not as a power forward that also plays, you know, maybe that's what I'm projecting on to Kevin Durant. And I just don't see it as that much of a deal breaker. I just think it takes the Warriors so little time to adapt with any lineup that I just, I don't think there's just going to a lot of, uh, love. there's not going to be like a lot of beaded brows with this series. I mean, New Orleans couldn't pull it off. I, I, I just doubt the Rockets are going to freak them out too much with uh, the, their sudden near all-star in the pivot. Yeah, definitely. And I guess one of the other things that I'm curious about from your perspective is so CP3 had a, a fine series uh, against Utah and even closed him out with the 41 point performance. Um, and he's historically been in trouble for Steph. Now, granted, this is a, this is a loaded roster that is, you know, the Golden State Warriors. Um, but I'm curious if, if by, if James Harden does James Harden things and maybe doesn't play it to the level that he's been playing to this point, you know, shooting 34% from three and just really kind of being a non-factor uh, in a lot of these games and almost a detriment to the team, you know, if, if CP3 and James Harden are able to set their games up to kind of where they were at regular season levels, could you foresee this going to, let's say, six or even seven games? Oh yeah, because they can just spit so many possessions out. But I hope they don't overuse. Nothing against Chris Paul. It's just when when you lose Harden, you lose Capella too. I mean, they're just on a string together so well in these playoffs. It just seems like every single but I mean, genuinely every single one of those points nearly do come from James Harden. So I I'd like Chris Paul to be more of a pinpoint guy in this series, which is you know saying a lot in a series where the pace is going to increase. But uh, it's tough. Golden State just. Golden State kicks your butt in isolation possessions. It's it's, and and you're going to go down and, and try to go with the guy with one knee. Well, the guy with one knee's been preparing for this stuff, uh, you know, since he was you know hit with being with one knee again a long time ago, and that staff has been preparing for it. Everyone's been preparing for this series for a long time. It's just that one of those teams is the Rockets, and one of those teams is the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you mentioned that you anticipate uh, Warriors in five. I don't think I heard you make a prediction for Cavs Celtics. I like, I think this one's going to be crazy. I think, I think both teams are going to take both the first four games at home. And I just think it's going to get crazy after that. I think they are going to see some, I mean, I think it could be the Cavs coming back from three, two to take the series in Boston. I, I think that's well within LeBron's range. I just, I've seen too many superhuman things for him to do in a 48 minute span. He can make those, those halves and quarters disappear awfully quickly. So I, I have this one getting pretty outrageous. I have Cavaliers and seven. All right. Interesting. So Cavs Warriors finals. Um, do we see the Warriors kind of walking away with it again? Man, I hope they run away because there's so much more fun when they do that. <laughs> that way they get, have to have LeBron chase them all around. And, and I mean, yeah, it's, I just hope it's not as awful and as, and as, you know, as much of a bummer as like what Cleveland did, you know, what was called it, what it is, what Cat, what LeBron did to Toronto, 
Um, but yeah, if it gets to the finals, if, if the Rockets and their defense can't card anyone, then I, I don't think Larry Nance Jr. is going to be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, Kelly, last question before we wrap up for today. Uh, tomorrow is the NBA draft lottery. Um, I am a Bulls fan. Tad is a, he's an Orlando magic fan. Not sure how, how that ever happened. The boy grew up in Iowa. Can't figure that shit out. But, um, I would, I'd be curious from your perspective, and I don't know how, how closely tied you are to the draft prospects, um, but if the Bulls got the number one overall pick, from your perspective, what do you think would be the best player for them to draft, uh, either based on fit or just based on talent? Oh, we never, I mean, you, I think I'm of the idea, and I, listen, I might be wrong, but I'm just at the point where I don't think you draft for fit at any point. Maybe I'm overreacting to Luke Kennard versus uh, Donovan <laughs> Mitchell. But, oh, man, just I'd stay away from – no. The, listen, no one is above fit except for LeBron and Wilt. That's that's about it. Even Michael Jordan had to prove that he wasn't above fit. So, no, you draft the best player there. And I don't I don't know anything about these about these anythings. But when I hear that a six-foot-seven point guard, I don't care how baby-faced he is, is doing some sort of nasty overseas. I'm, I'm always interested in that sort of thing. So uh, tomorrow is my 38th birthday. So I very much hope that my hometown Chicago Bulls can 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 brush past all that cynicism and all that failed tanking and all that terrible jobs in, in, in trying to turn in a bad team plus a developing team. They failed at that, too. They failed at making trades. I, I very much hope that those, the Bulls turn it around long enough to uh, to see me on a year 38 and, and to move up the standings. But, uh, you know, the odds are what they are. I hope, you, I hope they give you that, too. And I hope they give my mom a happy belated Mother's Day gift. <laughs> oh, that would be so nice, Chicago. There's so many wonderful mothers in the Chicago land area, the entire tri-state area. Let's 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 send them out, right? Oh, amen, man. Well, um, anything you want to? Anything we missed out on today? I don't know if we think. I think, uh, I think we covered pretty much everything. No, yeah, I, I think we I think we kind of hit hit every little bucket, filled every bucket that we were looking to fill today. So, awesome. Kelly, where can the people find you online? Where can they find uh, what you're working on? Just Google Kelly Dwyer, The Second Arrangement. It's my subscription site. I just basically kind of send out an awesome magazine every every day. I'm, I'm not going to kind of shy away from I'm, – I'm kicking ass writing. I'm doing a fantastic job, and I don't think you can find this stuff anywhere else. Uh, I'm taking a lot of time on it. I'm watching these – traveling these games in person out of pocket. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see as much basketball and experience as much as I can so I can bring people something different. And I think so far we're succeeding. Everyone that's hopped on has hopped on for good so far. It's been, and we've created a, a funky little thing over there at the second arrangement. So, yeah, it's you can get in and read everything for just five bucks. And then after that, you're going to find yourself really having a hard time talking yourself out of unsubscribing because no one really does. It's just Google Kelly Dwyer, the second arrangement. Twitter's a terrible website, but you can find all the updates <laughs> by following me at Katie on Hoops. Right on, man. Well, we'll definitely add that in the show notes. Uh, Tad, where can the people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter mostly uh, at Tad at Tad Hall underscore at Tad Hall underscore. Um, there's not really too much that's that's great on there, but if you want to follow me, feel free to feel free to follow me. I just tweet out pretty much whatever's on my mind at the moment. So uh, yeah, catch me there. For usual, follow MBA Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook at MBA Pod. You can follow me at J underscore Kilos on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you feel so inclined to do so. Give us five stars, please, um, for Kelly's birthday. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, for Kelly, for Tad, this has been – oh, pardon me, and for Jeff. I forgot myself. Uh, this has been NBA. We're out. <laughs>